welcome. This is the Dating Counselor Podcast, the show that takes you out of the dating game and into a successful relationship. I'm Lonnie Harmon, and I'm a licensed therapist, and I am the Dating Counselor. Thanks for listening. So what does it take to create a successful relationship? Well, that is the question that I am out to answer in teaching you my new class, The Relationship Screening Method. Go over to thedatingcounselor.com, click under Courses, and learn more about this new course that I'm offering on a virtual platform that also comes with weekly live coaching sessions with yours truly. So that's again, go to thedatingcounselor.com, look under courses and look up the relationship screening method so that you can actually apply the method to then begin creating your successful relationship. Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so excited that you're with me. Today we are going to talk about relationship OCD. Before we can really explore what relationship OCD looks like, we kind of need to break down what OCD is in general. So OCD is an acronym for obsessive compulsive disorder. And there are two types of obsessive compulsive disorder. There's the obsessive compulsive disorder. That's the traditional name OCD. And then there's the OCD personality disorder. So let's break that down. Obsessive compulsive disorder is characterized by unreasonable thoughts and fears or obsessions and ruminations that lead to compulsive behaviors. So let me say that again. It's OCD is a disorder that is characterized by unreasonable thoughts and fears and unreasonable is defined by what is within the normal limits of society. We don't really have a normal I'm doing air quotes, we have within normal limits. So unreasonable thoughts and fears would be things that are outside of the normal limits that you obsess about or ruminate. They kind of turn over in your mind a lot. And this, in order to release the anxiety and the fear, you have to do a compulsive behavior, meaning there's this behavior that you do to release it. So a theme for that would, or like a theme could be, um, just a fear over something specific. So sometimes people with OCD will have a fear of germs. This is something that most of us are familiar with um, and that we've seen that. So they fear germs. And so to reduce the worry about germs, their compulsion is to wash hands or be excessively clean, sometimes to the point that your hands are raw and bleeding. And so that's where it becomes outside of the normal limits because you shouldn't have raw and bleeding hands. Just hope that makes sense. So let's talk about OCD personality disorder. So a personality disorder is characterized by, um, so a personality disorder is a deeply ingrained pattern of behavior of a specific kind that again, deviates markedly from the norms. So again, it it takes you away from what's, what's within normal limits of generally accepted behavior. So when they say deeply ingrained, usually this is something that you're taught and it sometimes becomes a generational issue. So that's why it's so deeply ingrained. This is the view from which you have learned to see the world. And it usually appears by adolescence and it causes long-term difficulties in personal relationships or in functioning in society. So that's what it characters what, what characterizes a personality disorder. 
just this deeply ingrained pattern of behavior that just takes you away from what's within normal limits. And it can have certain themes as well. So when you look at OCD personality disorder, what happens is that it's it's a pattern of excessive orderliness, perfectionism, attention to details, and a need to control when it comes to relating to other people. So the personality disorder itself, when it comes in the shape of OCD, looks like excessive orderliness, perfectionism, and attention to details. Um, I think that sometimes in our society, we get a lot of praise. We give a lot of praise to people who have OCD personality type because their house is so clean. They have such great attention to details when it comes to their work. And they're so perfect. They look perfect. They smell perfect. Their hair is perfect. Their um, car is perfect. Like everything looks so great. But the reason that it can become detrimental is because, again, this leads us to be able to not have very functioning relationships or functioning in society. So that's where we kind of go into the theme of relationship OCD, meaning OCD that is manifested inside of a relationship. So I'm going to look for, I'm going to read you the classic definition of it. This is from the um, OCDLA.com Um blog. I think that's a really good resource if you want to look up a little bit more on this. So relationship OCD or ROCD is a form of obsessive compulsive disorder in which the sufferer experiences intrusive, unwanted, and distressing thoughts about the strength, quality, and air quotes, true nature of their love for their partner. Obsessions in ROCD include a preoccupation with the partner's overall appropriateness as a mate, the love, their level of attractiveness, their sexual desirability, or long-term compatibility. And this often arises in otherwise entirely healthy relationships. So I just want to go through that one more time. It's a preoccupation with the partner's appropriateness. Is this a good partner for me? Is this going to be the person that I can do the long haul with? Is there, are they attractive? Is there somebody else that's going to be more attractive? Is this somebody that um, is just, is this as good as I'm going to get? Or is there more? And they kind of ruminate over that. Same thing with sexual desirability. Just wondering, is this going to be something that I can do for the long haul? And otherwise, just long-term compatibility. Like, are we going to be able to talk things through? Are we going to fight? Are we not going to fight? And, you know, some of these things, obviously, you're trying to figure out. But the thing about ROCD is that you don't have your worries resolved. One of the things about OCD and anxiety, because OCD is a form of an anxiety disorder, is that there's this refusal, refusal to soothe. You do not want to be soothed. You are unable to hear your partner coming to realign. Like you, it's this, so you bring up your concern and your partner then reaches out to resolve the concern and you refuse the resolution. So you're over here saying like, I hear you, I see you, but I'm going to bring up another one then. Well, here's my other concern. And, or that's not good enough. That's not entirely what I meant or whatever that may be, it just kind of comes into this circular thing. So your partner's left just totally spinning out because they're like, well, you brought up concern. We talked about it and I'm trying to resolve it. And you just refuse to let me resolve it. And I don't understand that because in a healthy relationship, when you bring up concerns, you work towards resolution. We're both soothed and we can move forward. But when people have ROCD, they just have this rumination and fear that just overwhelms their system and their ability to soothe. Um, 
there are a lot of different forms that kind of come up with this relationship OCD that take on kind of variants of traditional OCD. One of them is a harm OCD. So a harm OCD is something that maybe that you're in the classical sense, it's the you're doing harm to yourself or others, or you fear that you will. In harm OCD, when it manifests in a relationship, it's that you fear hurting your partner. I'm so worried I'm going to hurt them. What if they love me more than I love them? What if this doesn't work out? What if I've got these issues that I need to resolve? And so I need to work on them. I need to go work on them alone. And all of these things of harming your partner and the fear of harming your partner prevents you from actually being able to do the relationship. You say, I just, I, I can't hurt you. And so I'm going to leave it where leaving it actually does hurt because the partner is left kind of going like, I don't understand why we can't work that, work that out. Now, the thing that's so tricky about ROCD is that if you're going to go into the real world and you're going to talk to a buddy or you're going to talk to your grandma or your girlfriend or something about your partner and you're going to say, you know, I just don't know if I'm that attracted to them or like sometimes they do these behaviors and they just totally super annoy me. So then the person that's hearing you, if they don't know the filter of OCD, they're going to go, oh, well, you're just not that into them. Like, just let it go. It's totally fine. You're not that into them. That can happen you know, send them, send them away and that'll be fine. And so the person with ROCD goes, you're right. I'm just not that into them. And it just validates that fear of this person not being good enough. But what happens then is the person with ROCD just stays out of a relationship because they just find flaws everywhere because we are flawed and they look for this kind of diamond in the rough person that frankly probably doesn't exist when there's someone that is really good for them and that they are good for them as well right there. And they can't grasp that and they can't move forward and, and, and take it to the next level. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking. I've seen this in my practice for years and every time it comes up, I just feel so heartbroken for the sufferers because it's truly one of those relationship deal breakers that if the if one or both partners don't seek out help for it through counseling, it can really just completely derail the relationship. Um, and I just as a side note to that, I feel like some of the things that fuel that and fuel the the he's just not that into you or you're just not that into them or you should know are some of the ways that we tell stories about how we met and how we fell in love. So you can look back at a couple and you can say, oh, tell us your story. And they talk about how they went out and they spent a few hours together and it went really, really well. And so they continued to just go on dates and spend time together. And pretty soon, you know, they decided that they were in love and they were going to get married. And it seems really straightforward and they have had a great marriage. Um, well, that seems too easy, right? We don't necessarily understand how that can happen because, what about these flaws and these flaws? And so then if you if you pick at that story a little bit, they're like, well, what's the big deal? Yeah, she does drive me crazy, but I love her. And the person with ROCD here is, she drives you crazy, but you love her? I don't want to be with anybody that drives me crazy. They must just be telling me what I want to hear because they want to get married, me to get married. And so they just kind of take a step back. I think the movies and media sometimes are also a really big fuel to the fire, add fuel to the fire for ROCD because... I don't know, like, I was watching The Notebook the other day, and oh my glory, that movie is so beautiful. And the 
the cinematography, let's just talk about that. But the storyline is so beautiful. You really want to believe that everything just comes together that quickly and that easily and that people just fall in love and they go back to each other. And, you know, I mean, that that movie in general seems like it could be a little bit more realistic and some of the struggles that, that happen. But I just think in general, movies and cinema, like people don't go back that often to seek for clarification. You see a lot of times that a woman or a man in the movie will overreact and have this big problem and then they'll seek out clarification and come back. Nowadays, we just don't do that. If there's a conflict, we just run away from it. And we use the presence of the conflict as being like a sign that we're not supposed to be together. We don't go back in and try to resolve it or and say, hey, you know, this conflict is present and I can see if I can work through my issue or yours. We can kind of compromise because there's so much good here. We just look at that and we go, well, there's conflict and I just, you know, my life is so much easier without all the drama. So I'm just going to let this go. Yeah, lots of problems. Um, let me take a break for a minute and I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk a little bit about common obsessions that happen in ROCD. Welcome back. Let's jump into common obsessions that happen in ROCD. So the big question is this, what if I don't really love my partner What if they're not the one? What if we're not truly, truly in love? These are the obsessions that frequently lead the sufferer to to demand absolute um, resolution or they can't move forward. They want to be 1000% certain about the feelings that they have for their partner. So again, I'm reading from um, OCDLA.com for these specific ones just because it's easier to be comprehensive than not. Okay. What if I don't really love my partner? That's one of the thoughts. What if he or she is not the one? What if I'm not really attracted to him or her? If I don't think about my partner all day long, do I, do I really love them? If I didn't completely enjoy that one kiss, does that mean I'm not really attracted to my partner? Hmm. I just noticed another attractive person. That must mean I'm in the wrong relationship. I enjoyed having alone time today when my partner was visiting. So this must mean that I'm not truly in love with them. Hmm, There are times when I feel turned off by the thought of intimacy with my partner. This must be proof that I'm not sexually attracted to them and therefore I'm in the wrong relationship. Hmm, I can imagine cheating on my partner. Therefore, I must secretly want to be with someone else. Oh, and this one, fixation on flaws or negative aspects of a partner's appearance or character. Fixation on compatibility and or long-term viability of their relationship. And obsessive concern about harming one's partner emotionally by staying in a relationship if you may not truly love them. As I mentioned before, that's kind of a big one. So these are all the common obsessions that happen with relationship OCD. If you notice, like as, as I was reading those, that some of those touched your heart and touched some of your concerns, let's talk about what's within normal limits and without normal limits. Now, some of these things we really definitely need to do to evaluate. It's within normal limits to kind of go like, hmm, are we getting along? Oh man, they did this thing and it totally drove me crazy. And oh, this, like the way that they look right now, I don't know if I'm super attracted to them. Some of these things can be within normal if we work to resolve them or if we find that communicating helps to ease the concern. And this is just within within normal because we, we say, oh, I'm noticing this. I'm going to communicate about it. And then my concern gets resolved. It's when we 
one, first and foremost, we work ourselves up over it so much that we refuse to communicate about it. Or two, that we communicate about it, our partner resolves our concerns and we refuse to let them resolve. We're like, no, I'm pretty sure that's still going to be an issue and that's going to be an issue for the rest of my life and therefore I'm going to derail this relationship and break up. Just very, very uh, super, super high expectations. We'll go into a little bit later about how do I know if this is ROCD and um, if this is just the truth of how I feel. Um, We'll go into that more a a little bit later, but I just want to make sure that you kind of know that 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 line, there are some of those things in there that if that has happening to you, that it's okay, that it's normal, but when it goes too far and you can't let those concerns be resolved, that's when you know you kind of are suffering with ROCD. And you know, honestly, you can always look online. You can take a quiz online. You can see if this is something that comes up for you. Okay, so let's break down the common compulsions. Again, remember, compulsions are things that you do to reduce anxiety, okay? So the anxiety, it's the obsession, the thing that's ruminating in your head and kind of going over and over again. And the compulsion is what you do to reduce the anxiety behavior because you want to feel better because having anxiety all the time sucks. So there's four categories the OCD generally falls into. Overt compulsions, avoidant compulsions, reassurance-seeking compulsions, and mental compulsions. Okay, overt, avoidant, reassurance, and mental so there, let's go through what overt, avoidant, reassurance, and mental looks like when it comes to relationship OCD. And again, if you find yourself inside of these, this is just a good indication that you need to go to therapy and work out some of these issues. And I also feel like it's really empowering if you notice that these that you're having these for you to develop a vocabulary about them and communicate that with your partner, because that in and of itself right there is going to be a game changer. Okay, overt compulsions. Having sex with your partner in order to check for arousal and our feelings of emotional connection. I think making out can fall under the same category. Repeatedly confessing to your partner that you are experiencing doubts about your feelings or the viability of the relationship. Oh, that's just so brutal. I'm just going to tell you over and over again that I have doubts about this. Repeatedly confessing to your partner that you are attracted to other people. Again, very hurtful. Frequently breaking up with your partner. Testing your feelings by spending time with or flirting with others or searching dating sites to see if you're attracted to others. Um, Compulsive online researching about love and or relationship issues. So this can sometimes look like, and I've seen this in in many cases, um, where you're going to look like you're getting really close to becoming engaged to someone, but you're just really not sure if they're the right person for you and you don't know if it's going to be the one long term. And so you think, oh, I should probably date other people. That'll help me to know. It's just this overt compulsion where you're thinking, if I take a step back from this rather than work to resolve the issues or like talk to my partner, if I take a step back to it, then I'll be able to evaluate if I really like them or if I really totally don't. Now, where does that work into the real world? If you have come up against each other to uh, unresolved unresolvable issues, things that are deal breakers for both of you and you can't get past them and you take a clean break from each other and you say we're broken up and we're not going to see each other here anymore and then you decide to date other people and they decide to date other people and some time has passed and you realize actually those concerns don't bother me anymore and my concerns that they brought up I feel like I could resolve and I could work on and going out with these other people has helped me to realize that I had it really, really good. 
So that's kind of the thing. There's time, there's space in between that. There's clear we're together or we're not. It's not this, I'm going to keep dating you, but I'm going to look for other things on the side just to test my feelings. Um, I'm going to keep flirting with you, but I'm also going to flirt with other people. I'm going to be secretly having profiles online and hooking up with other people or trying to go out with them, even if we're not having sex or doing anything that way, like we're going to be going out because I'm continuously trying to test my feelings. That is one of those things that can be considered an overt compulsion. Okay, let's talk about avoidant compulsions. Avoiding compulsions. Avoiding being around attractive or triggering people such as ex-lovers or people that you could possibly see as attractive. Avoiding being intimate with your partner verbally, physically, or both. Avoiding saying I love you or praising and complimenting your partner. Avoiding loving gestures for fear, for fear that these will further entangle you. Now, if you notice, this looks a lot like the avoidant attachment system that we talked about in another podcast that I did. A lot of these things, um, the people that have an avoidant attachment system do, it's just keeping that love at arm's length. Um, the compulsion side of it, it comes in when it's just like, this is what you're doing to reduce your anxiety versus like the avoidant side of it of, I'm just doing this because I could really care less about my, this person, you, in the, the OCD side of it, you care, but you're doing this to, re, to diminish your own anxiety. Okay. Reassurance seeking compulsions, asking family members and friends to rate the compatibility of your relationship, asking family members and friends to confirm your partner's attractiveness or sexual desirability, asking family members or friends, if they think your relationship will last, or if you are meant for marriage, and compulsively asking others about their relationships and comparing feedback. So this is where your reassurance seeking comes in, where you're going to look to the people in your circle or maybe outside of your circle to say like, we're going to be good, right? Like it's going to work out, right? Do you feel like we're good? Like we're compatible this way. We're compatible that way. Do you notice that we're happy? Do you notice that we're not? Like, what do you think? And you're looking for other people to confirm your own choices rather than you standing in your own true in your own space and saying like, I believe in this and I believe in our relationship and I feel like I'm attracted and I feel like I'm in love and I feel like I'm sexually attracted to you. And I feel like we've got a good relationship. It's other people's opinions matter the most. Okay. So again, let's go into the, how do I know where this deviates? You would like most of the time people really appreciate when their support system likes their partner. They want them to feel comfortable with their family, comfortable with their friends, but it go it draws the line when it's that that outside support system is the one validating your choice. You make the choice, they support the choice. You make the choice, you try to integrate your family with your partner. Um, we will be right back and I am going to talk to you about mental compulsions. Hey, welcome back. Let's just jump back into it and start talking about mental compulsions. Mentally comparing your significant other to attractive or desirable people. Mentally checking your arousal or attraction during sex or other intimate moments such as kissing, when saying I love you or holding hands. Mentally comparing your relationship to those of friends and family to see if your relationship sizes up as in it's better than or it's worse than. Mentally comparing your, your relationship to thoughts and our feelings as expressed in love songs, romantic novels, or movies. And mentally reviewing past relationships and comparing them with your current one. Um, all of those basically just make you and your partner miserable. Because with OCD, 
what you're doing is you're looking for a temporary respite from your obsessional thoughts. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, um, temporary fix. And so, um, what you really need to do is you need to communicate and you need to allow yourself to be reassured. Now, the process of allowing yourself to be reassured from anxiety provoking situations or thoughts can be kind of complex as with anxiety in general, excuse me, if you're hardwired in that your brain does not allow for reassurance due to some of the the way that it's made up, your genetic makeup, um, you're going to need to try some invasive, I'm sorry, not invasive. <laughs> you're going to need to try some other techniques. Uh, things that I think are really helpful to just begin with are therapy and meditation, where you work to soothe your mind and help yourself to consider other alternative ways of thinking. Sometimes that can be done by writing down what you're mentally worrying about and then um, learning how to do the inverse of that by just going to the opposite. Let's say um, our relationship is worse than so-and-so is down the street, like to the opposite. Our relationship is exactly where it's supposed to be. It's exactly on track and our relationship is good. And you just kind of write that down and then you process inputting that thought into your mind rather than worrying about the obsession over and over and over again. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that's tricky though, is that sometimes if you don't catch yourself inside of the ROCD, then you just continuously spin from relationship to relationship to relationship, thinking you just need to find the right one because the, the right one will be the magic fix. So you can imagine that this is really hard on relationships. This is really hard on your partner. Um, a lot of times the, the people, the person with ROCD, because it's not really a known problem, um, they suffer silently and their partner also suffers. There's not really a name for what's going on. Um, there's a lot of things that are due to break you up. Um, and there's just misunderstandings. There's lots of conflict and, and it just kind of goes back and forth on and on over and over again. You're just hurting each other over and over again, even though your desire sometimes with the, the, um, harm OCD is to not hurt each other. Um, if I have these doubts, then I must be in the wrong relationship. And so therefore I'm going to get in and out of the relationship over and over and over again. Um, it's very, 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 very complicated. Um, so Let's just make sure to clarify that ROCD is often misdiagnosed by mental health providers as well as with um, those that, uh, like I mentioned before, within your family systems. Um, if you're going for your support system, they're not necessarily going to see this and say, oh, this is for sure um, relationship OCD. You should go get, get help. Um, it can be very, very misunderstood and then often misdiagnosed. So if you feel like you have this, sometimes it's helpful for you to bring this into the practitioner that you're working with and say, have you heard of relationship OCD? Do you know what it is? Here's some more information about it. I feel like I have this, have this. Can you tell me more about it? Let's do an assessment. Um, you can take assessments online and you can say, Hey, I have this. And then let's see if they can work through it. Um, a relationship OCD diagnosis, um, you'll still work compatibly with an OCD therapist, someone who does anxiety and OCD. They should be able to handle that fine because it's, it's the compulsions and the ruminations and the, the obsessions that are what need to be um, 
worked through. A very common treatment for ROCD is called cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. CBT is a really, really wonderful therapy and most therapists are trained in it and you work through cognitive restructuring, exposure, and response prevention um, along with mindfulness skills training. So a therapist needs to help you do some of those things because they're the one that will help you to, um, through the process of elimination, identify, yes, this is a thought that is an OCD thought. Here's some ways that you can think about it differently, aka cognitive restructuring. And then sometimes with the exposure and and response prevention, what needs to happen is that you have to continue in the relationship and then you have to work through the conflict resolution skills that they can help you with. The other benefit of having a therapist is that you have some accountability and that you need to follow up with them and kind of report on what what's happening and, and what you need to be doing. Um, there are also a lot of mindfulness trainings that you can do to help with this. Um, mindfulness trainings are kind of, I think, a new age thing and something that people have not really done a lot lately. There are a lot of apps that you can use, but there's also classes that you can take. Personally, I took a class um, a couple of years ago through a local company in Salt Lake City that I'd be happy to give a referral to. They're called the Mindful Art Company or Mindful Art Co. You can follow them at Instagram at Mindful Art Co. And they do a lot of self-compassion and mindfulness techniques. And I really, really loved their class on meditation and mindfulness. I thought that was really, really helpful. And something that you could consider doing yourself that you can just do a search online and see what you can find in your local area. So again, um, two common treatments would be cognitive behavioral therapy as well as mindfulness. And all of those should help get you in the right direction. Um, I'll be right back and we will talk a little bit about what you can expect from treatment. Welcome back. So let's talk about what you can expect from treatment for relationship OCD. As with any mental health provider, you're going to want to do some screening to find out if they're the right fit. You're looking at demographics like their age, their race, their religion, their um, location in reference to where you live. You want therapy to be something that is beneficial to you and not adding extra stress. Although sometimes just going to therapy will add extra stress and you still need to go. Uh, You can do an interview or an assessment with them where you guys are just trying each other on for a fit and seeing if you have a smooth way of talking about things, if you feel validated, if you feel heard and understood, and if you feel like this therapist is competent, excuse me, Um, and to just, you know, obviously trying on what their style of therapy is, finding out if they do cognitive behavioral therapy, if they've worked with someone with OCD in the past, and if they have had successes in helping someone uh, through some of these these issues. Uh, There's obviously going to not be, you're not going to fit with everyone and that's okay. So don't get discouraged if your first shot doesn't work out. You can also ask friends or family, maybe if they're seeing a therapist, if they have a recommendation of someone that you could see. Uh, You're going to be in treatment for a little while. And when I say a little while, I mean, that's a little while or a long while. Like I, it's very subjective to what's happening. Your provider should be able to identify what's within your means as far as financial compensation, or if you need to access other resources for financial coverage for the sessions. Um, And that should be part of the dialogue because you shouldn't want, you, you definitely don't want to go broke getting therapy. Having said that, they should be able to give you an idea of you need to come weekly, you need to come bi-weekly, you need to come once every three weeks or once a month, um, or kind of what the plan is, if you can make things 
situations work for your work schedule or your lifestyle schedule as well as just what works for your pocketbook. Uh, adding more and more stress to you in that way isn't going to be helpful. Having the stress of adding therapy into your routine should feel um, a little bit tense at first, but then therapy should feel like a relief. I'm going in, I'm talking, this is my safe space. I get to unload here. I don't feel judged and I feel listened to and understood. If there's ever disruptions in your therapy and you feel like something might not be going right, use therapy as a practice technique, excuse me, a practice location for your conflict resolution skills, especially if you don't feel like you have them. Um, if you're saying, hey, you know what, I don't feel like I did this very well, or they did that very well, come in and say this last session or something that happened didn't go very well for me. And I want to talk with you about it. Your therapist should be very open to that feedback and feel really confident that you can talk through it. And if not to be able to say, Hey, you know, we're an impasse. I appreciate you. And let's send each other off. Well, or you can make a resolution and feel resolved sometimes with OCD and with anxiety. Again, you have a problem being soothed. So your therapist coming in and challenging you and then not being able to soothe you kind of feeds feeds into the problem. So notice that and use therapy to see if you can work through some of those issues and get them resolved. <sighs> therapy should feel fantastic, but it's not going to feel fantastic every time. You're going to be challenged and it's going to be a little bit tricky to feel like everything is rainbows and ponies all the time. So when you're thinking about relationship OCD and you're thinking about marriage and let's say you've been in a relationship that went really well. And so you're listening to this podcast and you're looking back and you're like, ah, oh, crap, I was such a fool. Or you're in one now and you're thinking, I don't know how to solve these worries and concerns that I have. Or you're looking into the future. Oh my gosh, this is never going to happen for me. I'm going to be stuck in this pattern forever. You always need to remember that you have the, cho the chance and the choice to make changes as needed and that there is always hope. I have seen this in my practice. I have seen relationship OCD come up. I have seen avoidant tendencies come up that are mixed with relationship OCD and I have seen success. I've seen success in attachment and I've seen people uh, go on to get married and have a really wonderful life with their companion. You need to be committed to being fully present to work through all of the the issues that are presented inside of it. And you need to be able to feel confident in yourself that you can do it. Uh, there's not, there's not a lot that you're going to be able to do for yourself. If you just feel like you're the most terrible person in the world, and this is just how it's going to be. Um, one thing that we didn't cover that I feel like I want to is where does relationship OCD start? Where does it occur? Let's say I didn't do it in this relationship, but I am doing it in this other one. Um, you know, I think that's a really good question and one that I don't necessarily have an answer for. I think the birthplace of mental health issues inside of relationships truly can come from a combination of genetic wiring as well as trauma. Sometimes it's both, sometimes it's one. And I think if we if we worry a lot initially about why do I have this, why do I have this, uh, that can kind of disrupt the ability to move through it. I think you need to work simultaneously with why do I have this and what can I do about it? How is it affecting my life? When we're looking at 
treatment for a mental health issue, we're looking at how long has this been a problem? How frequently do they suffer with it? And is it, is it impending their ability to be able to move forward in their life? And if the answer is yes, dude, get help. Just get help. There's no sense in just doing the same thing over and over and over again and passing up wonderful years of your life being single. If your desire is to be married, there's just no sense in it. If you can get through this, you can work on it. If you have had a partner who's had this and they choose not to work on it, it can be one of the most painful experiences that you'll go through in life because you feel that concern of how did this happen and what can we do about it? Um, maybe you can do them a solid and share this podcast with them and they'll go out and they'll get help. Um, maybe you just need to hope that that life will lead them in the direction that will, will help them get what they need. It really just kind of is an ebb and flow experience and you're going to have to roll with the punches on this one, which sounds really terrible. And I'm so sorry, but reach out for support from your family and friends and, um, feel confident that you're a good person and that the person that you were with was suffering from something that they needed to help with and they chose not to get help with. And that's not your fault. Um, in conclusion, um, <coughs> excuse me. In conclusion, I just want to say that again, relationship OCD is a pain and it's so sad when you see yourself inside of it, but there is help for it. And I encourage you to go and get help. If you have any questions or comments, you can follow me on my Instagram at Lonnie K. Harmon, LCSW, or you can email me at Lonnie at MillCreek-Counseling.com. Lonnie is L-O-N-I. Harmon is H-A-R-M-O-N. So my Instagram, Lonnie K. Harmon at L- Lonnie K. Harmon, LCSW, and Lonnie at MillCreek-Counseling.com. Wish you the best. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast episode about relationship OCD. Um, I have been so excited about this message getting out and have been fielding a lot of questions about what to do as the partner of someone who has our OCD, Um, what you can do, how you can help, how you can be supportive. I love these questions. And so I wanted to take a second and add this in to this podcast episode. I think one of the things that it's really important to note here is you need to recognize that the relationship OCD is not about you. It's so hard to hear from your partner that they have doubts about the relationship um, or that the relationship itself is a source of anxiety for them because we have a tendency to then personalize that and say, oh, well, if they weren't with me, then they wouldn't be having these anxieties. So that's why it's important to note with you or with someone else, they will be having these anxieties. This is the way that their brain is processing things. Um, the, the need to hold on to this obsession, so to speak, or this rumination of these fears um, keeps them stuck in these fears. And so then the compulsion is like maybe they're doing the reassurance seeking compulsion and they're looking for reassurance from a lot of outside sources and not necessarily from you or trying to like fix the problems that are present in the relationship. They're just using them as evidence that the relationship doesn't work. Um, And it's likely that they'll do this pattern again and again. So you need to separate yourself from the problem of ROCD and your partner needs to take responsibility for that problem saying like, I have this, this is something that I need to fix. 
and I need to figure out what the OCD cycle is, figure out how to work through the ROCD and not project it onto my partner and make them say, you're the one that has to offer me all of the relief from my OCD cycle. Um, the other thing, I guess, is just kind of in the nitty gritty of it is that every relationship has problems. That's normal. Okay. The extent of the problems, the degree to which you can resolve the conflict or the problems that exist in your relationship, very person to person um, and how you want to do that. But it's not the evident, it's not, excuse me, it's not the fact that there are problems that make the relationship doomed. It's how you resolve them and what you do. So that's, again, why it's important for OCD sufferers to seek help. Um, even if your, your relationship isn't perfect, you have to recognize that your partner is suffering from this ROCD and it's an external way that they um, are viewing the relationship and, and the situations that are outside of the relationship. But that doesn't mean that those two factors cause each other. Um, let's see if I can say that a little bit better. Let's say that you're having problems in the relationship with communication and um, your art, the person with RCD is using that as like, well, we can't even communicate. And so we're doomed to fail. And they go down to this um, compulsion of just needing to really seek a lot of reassurance. They see the evidence of our communication problems as evidence that that is the relationship is doomed to fail. So they go into a reassurance seeking compulsion and they look for outside help. So they'll go to their family, their friends, people that they trust, maybe a few sources, maybe a couple, and they'll just say, hey, you know, we've got all these communication problems. And then they're looking for their family member or whoever to say, oh, well, if you've got communication problems, then you should pull the plug. And they go, oh, yes, exactly. See, we have communication problems, so I need to leave. Rather than reflecting accurately that, you know, our communication problems aren't that bad. We don't have them that often. We actually do find relief inside of the conversations more frequently than not but they'll go and kind of present evidence that will then get them the answers that they want and then get out of the relationship. So that's part of that compulsion cycle. Um, this one's a little bit of a, a hard thing to note, but I, I think it's important. Um, the, if your partner has ROCD, you as the person who does not need to know that you deserve to be happy and that they need, your partner needs to work through their ROCD. They need to take responsibility for that and work through that. And so you need to recognize that you deserve to be free of the burden of all of the, RO the ROCD characteristics, behaviors, wh whatever the obsessions or compulsions are that are being put on you. It's not your responsibility to make them recover and it's not your responsibility to help them recover. Like that, you need to take care of you and they need to... Um, recognize that this is something that they're struggling with and that they'll continue to carry into other relationships. And so it's a difficult decision. It's not to say that you should just absolutely break up with someone if they have it. Um, in my experience, actually, as soon as the client recognizes that they have it, they're pretty quick to make corrections and they feel a lot of relief in knowing that this is just part of the way that their brain is processing their anxiety. And then they want the reassurance in a, in a normal, healthy way. And they're able to feel relief and move forward. It's not to say that it goes away entirely, but it's been my experience that as soon as the sufferer realizes what they're doing, they do better. So I hope this can help and um, feel free to 
Let me know if you've got more questions on it um, or, or whatnot. Thanks so much for listening. I am really excited that this message is getting out and I hope people are getting treatment and getting better. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Dating Counselor podcast, where I help you build a successful relationship. It would mean so much to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast so that we can change the way dating is happening and everybody can have a successful experience. If you do, please send me a screenshot. I would love to see your review and share it on my social media. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one. Peace and blessings. This podcast and the social media associated with it represents the opinions of Lonnie K. Harmon, LCSW, and her guests to the show. The content here is intended to be psychoeducational and should not be taken as specific mental health advice. The content here is for informational and educational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your mental health professional for any mental health questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are her own and that of her guests to the show. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Privacy is of, is of utmost importance to us. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect client confidentiality. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapist-client relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast, please send a message to Lonnie at Lonnie at MillCreek-Counseling.com. That's Lonnie, L-O-N-I, at MillCreek-Counseling.com.